Greetings and welcome to the third episode of the third season of the Ideas Podcast. I'm Daniel Lazar and I'm proud to be the founder of and the faculty advisor to the John F. Kennedy School Ideas Club. The Ideas Podcast provides a forum for Ideas members and our guests to grapple with vexing issues pertaining to our core mission, identity, diversity, empathy, awareness, and service. We hope you enjoy our podcast, and if you do, we want to hip you to another podcast on our beloved Bear Radio Network. Busy Being Black is a podcast that explores the full, rich lives of the black queer communities. It's a growing compendium of queer black voices, an oral history project, highlighting conversations with those who have learned and are still learning to thrive at the intersections of their identities. Check out Busy Being Black on the Bear Radio Network or wherever you get podcasts. This special episode of the Ideas Podcast will be brought to you in two parts. During the first part, we're going to dive into Juneteenth, what it is, how it's celebrated, and why we should all celebrate it. And then in the second part, we're going to hear from voices in the JFK community about holidays that don't exist in the United States, but should. Joining me to discuss Juneteenth is the producer of the Ideas Podcast, the esteemed Bella Winger. Hey, Bella. How's it going? It's great. Glad to be here. Is it great? Are you glad to be here? Are you being honest or no? It's pretty great. The school year is coming to a close. It's summer. So, yeah. It is legit heating up. It is supposed to be 35 degrees on Friday. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Are you are you like on board with 35 degrees? I feel like I've been complaining that I want that type of heat for a few months. And now that I'm getting it, I have mixed feelings. Yeah, I have never asked for 35. I've asked for like 27. I'm cool with 27. I don't think that I'm like wired for 35, but we're going to do it. We are. So tell a fellow, Bella, had you given much consideration to Juneteenth prior to preparing for this podcast? I would say that I first properly delved into what Juneteenth was last year in 2020, around Juneteenth. I wish it had been earlier, but I think last year was the first time I really properly understood what the holiday was and what it meant. In preparing for this episode, I'd kind of been walking around school and walking around town asking people sort of randomly if they know what Juneteenth is. And outside of a couple kids at our school, the only other person that I encountered who knew Juneteenth was my downstairs neighbor in my apartment building. His name is Scott, super cool guy. And I should say, Bella, can I seize this opportunity to say something real quick? Of course. Scott Williams lives below me, and he's an Englishman, and he's a DJ, and I told him I was going to do this Juneteenth episode, because he's like, why are you asking me about Juneteenth? And I said, I'm doing this podcast on Juneteenth, and he and I got to talking, and we arrived at this idea that he would do an original mixtape for this episode. So if you're a regular listener to this podcast, and you realize that our music is substantially different. This is the music that has been tailor-made for this episode of the podcast by my downstairs neighbor, Scott Williams. You could check him out at Sad Eagle on Mixcloud. 
I don't know what Nick's cloud is. And I don't know why he goes by Sad Eagle. But anyway, the music for this Juneteenth episode is brought to you by my downstairs neighbor, Scott Williams, Englishman, super cool guy, Sad Eagle, Mixed Cloud. How cool is that, Bella? It's so cool. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. Sad Eagle. Yeah, thank, thank you, Sad Eagle. So Scott knew about Juneteenth. You first learned about it last year. You took a little extra time this week to learn more. Bella? Yes. What's Juneteenth? So Juneteenth is also called Juneteenth Independence Day or Emancipation Day. It takes place every year on June 19th to commemorate the emancipation of African-American slaves in the United States in 1865. June 19th was specifically the day the slaves in Galveston, Texas were freed. And so ever since June 19th has been celebrated so why exactly June 19th? Like, what was the problem with Galveston, so to speak? Galveston, Texas was the last place in the United States to emancipate. They did so in 1865, and they did so years after Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation. Reluctantly so, it should be said. Yes. And, you know, the Galveston, Texas, emancipating the slaves was sort of the last step to officially legally banning slavery. Right, Bella. So in September of 1862, Lincoln issues the Emancipation Proclamation, and that goes into effect on the 1st of January, 1863. And then the Civil War drags on, and the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery, was ratified in January of 65. The war ends in April, but months later, right? Months. Slavery persists in places like Texas, right? Right. In a couple of articles I read, it said that basically there wasn't even word of the Emancipation Proclamation. Right. Like there were Texans who legit believed that they could quietly continue the institution of slavery in perpetuity. Absolutely. I mean, there was lots of places in the South that were entirely built, if not the majority of the South that was built on slavery. And places like Texas were not ready to give that up whatsoever. And they, to be fair, didn't entirely. Right. But we'll get to that. Right. Yeah. So let's get to that. So like, maybe this is like, a super on the nose question, but like, can you give me a sense of what you think Juneteenth means to America? That's a difficult question. I think Juneteenth serves both to celebrate emancipation and to recognize and shine light on the country's long and deep and brutal history with slavery. While most states have individually recognized the holiday, it is yet to become a national holiday. And we sort of see that the way Juneteenth is celebrated varies from region to region in the United States. So that's why it's difficult to specifically define what it means to America. Maybe we would come to a more definitive answer if it became a national holiday. Right, right. I mean, to me, most importantly, I would say that Juneteenth should mean to America a recognition of the U.S.'s history with slavery. Right, right. On top of which is the recognition that it's not as though 
Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, and the southern states were like, all, all right, President Lincoln, we stand by the laws of the United States. And it's not like the 13th Amendment was passed, you know, ratified by the several states. And the southern states came to the conclusion that the rule of law should stand. Indeed, it wasn't like that at all. It took the division of the South into five military districts, accompanied by a military occupation of the South, where American troops had to go through Southern communities one boot step at a time, freeing the slaves, and still many Southern slave-owning communities refused to give up what they deemed to be their rightfully held chattel slaves. Yeah, and I think it's really important to recognize and to understand about Juneteenth that while slavery was legally abolished, June 19th does not mark the end of discrimination or racism in the country. Neither does it give justice to former slaves and African-Americans in the country. And um, as a white American, I feel that this day serves as a reminder for what we should be recognizing daily, namely the nation's brutal history of slavery and the systemic racism that grew out of it and continues to live on today. Yeah, that actually reminds me of sort of like two problematics that you and I should probably address, right? Like, I think you and I both agree that Juneteenth should be celebrated. But one problematic in celebrating Juneteenth is that it could sort of like tacitly imply that, well, from June 19th, 1865 on, things were pretty rosy for African Americans. And that's decidedly untrue, correct? It's absolutely untrue. And obviously, I want just a quick disclaimer, I want to be clear that I'm not at all trying in any way, shape, or form to speak on behalf of any African-Americans or the African-American community. But I will say to that, I think it's very clear, it should be very clear to everyone that June 19th was not the end of racism in America. It was not the end of slavery in America. Yeah, Jim Crow, slavery by another name. I think you read my mind, Bella, because that was going to be the second problematic that I was going to throw out there, right? It's like you and I, two white people talking about Juneteenth. And I mean, I'll say for my part, I'm totally comfortable talking about it. It has been sort of a pet project of mine to promote Juneteenth to my students for 20 plus years. Like I'm a huge advocate for this holiday, despite my skin tone. I hope I'm allowed to be. I can't imagine that that would trouble anyone. Do you, I mean, are you reasonably comfortable talking about Juneteenth and being an advocate for the holiday despite your skin color? I 100% feel comfortable being an advocate for the holiday. Going into this podcast and sort of preparing for it, I did feel a little bit uncomfortable just because I really I really feel like Juneteenth is about empowering the African-American community. And I really want to give voice to African-Americans in the United States. And I really don't see it my place to really, I don't want to overstep. I want to see myself as an ally. I can't ever claim that I can identify with or truly deeply understand what it is like to be an African-American in the United States. Right. So maybe that's like sort of our caveat, right? Like you and I are seeking to be allies. And if our listeners take issue with our advocating for Juneteenth, well, hey, shoot us an email. Ideas at jfksberlin.org. I don't think we're going to get any emails, though. I think 
Juneteenth should be a holiday, and you and I should talk about it. And if we do a Juneteenth podcast in years to come, maybe we should be a bit more proactive in inviting African-American guests on, right? Yes. I wish we had done that this year. We're still going to hear from the student body in this podcast, which is really important to me and it is to you as well, even if it's not specifically on Juneteenth. Yeah. And if there is any feedback from the listeners, I I would 100% want it. Yeah, I would like 95% want it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't want to overstate my interest in listener feedback. So uh, have you ever been, by the way, to a Juneteenth celebration? I have not. I don't think I've ever been in the U.S. in June. I just, I have school till July. And here I haven't. It's, I feel like there's been only an awareness of Juneteenth here in Berlin recently. Right, right. I've been to a couple of Juneteenth celebrations, but uh, not for the better part of 20 years. But you've been doing your reading. So you tell me, how is Juneteenth celebrated? What do you know? So from what I read and what I listened to, Juneteenth is celebrated in many different ways. And these ways have changed over the years. Most traditionally, it's been celebrated by community gatherings, religious services, There are also parades in the United States and educational seminars that not only recognize the end of slavery, legal slavery, but they're also to empower and celebrate African-Americans. These articles really stress the fact that it varies region to region, which I think is important because I think the holiday really resonates differently region to region in the United States. But it is important that overall to any form of celebration that it recognizes emancipation of slaves and that it celebrates African-Americans. So it's 2021 and you and I are talking about Juneteenth from Berlin and we're not the only people talking about Juneteenth, right? Like there's a discussion of Juneteenth that's sort of re-emerging with a, a sort of an intensity these days. Do you get that feeling, by the way, where there's sort of like a bubbling intensity over Juneteenth that didn't exist a couple years ago? I do, especially because I really heard of the holiday and really learned about the holiday last year. I don't know if that was due to my me or um, or if it was because suddenly I saw it all over social media and everyone was talking about it last year. And I don't recall that from years before. And I think... Oh, yeah, it's a thing. It's not just you. Yeah, 100%. And I really... I think that the Black Lives Matter movement that really surged after George Floyd's murder in May of last year has caused protests to grow all around the country, calling for justice for African-Americans. And the conversation on systemic racism in the U.S. picked up a lot of momentum this past year. However, that's not to say that the topic will die down or that I think it will die down or that it should not have always been as intense. But I will say it has gained more visibility through this resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement. Maybe this is a bit of a softball, Bella, but are you with me that Juneteenth should definitely be a national holiday that more people celebrate and commemorate? 100%. I believe Juneteenth should be a national holiday because it forces Americans to recognize the U.S.'s true history and the impact it's made on the country. 
I personally believe that the U.S. has done a poor job recognizing its faults, for lack of a better word, in the past. I think that this could be a step forward. I hope so. Me too. I sure do hope so. Yes. I think I've said it on this podcast more times than I care to admit, but like really, what are we and where are we without hope? Can I make a confession to you, Bella? Yes. I have been like the worst podcast co-host today. You've noticed that already. While you were talking, I had this memory of a speech that Obama gave about Juneteenth. And I was looking it up (laughs) on the internet and I pulled it up. Can I read it? Go ahead. Or do you want me to shoot it to you and you can read it? No, go ahead, read it. Okay. So it was June 19th, 2016. That would be the last Juneteenth for President Barack Obama. There was no election of the 45th president yet. President Obama, in his last year in office, said this. Just outside the Oval Office hangs a painting depicting the night of December 31st, 1862. In it, African-American men, women, and children crowd around a single pocket watch, waiting for the clock to strike midnight and the Emancipation Proclamation to take effect. As the slaves huddle anxiously in the dimly lit room, we can sense how even two more minutes seems like an eternity to wait for one's freedom. But the slaves of Galveston, Texas had to wait more than two years after Lincoln's decree and two months after Appomattox to receive word that they were free at last. Today we commemorate the anniversary of that delayed but welcome news. Decades of collective action would follow as equality and justice for African Americans advanced slowly, frustratingly, gradually, on our nation's journey toward a more perfect union. On this Juneteenth, we remember that struggle as we reflect on how far we've come as a country. The slaves of Galveston knew their freedom was only a first step just as the bloodied foot soldiers who crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge a hundred years later knew they had to keep marching. Juneteenth is a time to recommit ourselves to the work that remains undone. We remember that even in the darkest hours, there is a cause to hope for tomorrow's light. No matter our race, religion, gender, or sexual orientation, we recommit ourselves to working for free modern-day slaves around the world and to honoring in our own time the efforts of those who fought so hard to steer our country truer to our highest ideals. That from Barack Hussein Obama, the 44th President of the United States. Great speech. Should we give him the last word? We should. So, Bella, you and I had this idea, right, that we'd reach out to the JFK community. Tell our listeners 
what's in store for them in the second half of this third podcast of season three. So we asked high schoolers at JFKS to tell us about a holiday that they wish would become a national holiday in the United States that would either celebrate or commemorate an event, a person, a thought, an idea, and why. So we have 10 submissions, 10 different students telling us about a holiday they think should be celebrated annually in the United States. And I have to say they're really interesting. They are. Did you listen? I sent you the draft. Did you listen? I did. I did listen. I did. And I really like them. Yeah. Some of them are pitch perfect. I would I would celebrate them all immediately. <laughs> yeah. If only it was that easy. If only it was that easy. But there's some really creative ideas too. Yeah. And I re- really think it gets you thinking. I think it gets you thinking about the holidays we do celebrate. Why we celebrate some holidays and not these. At least that's the effect it had on me. Yeah. And I would, and I'm sure you would be with me on this one. I would challenge our listeners. I got it. Can you read my mind? Can you guess what it is? I have an idea. Does it have to do with if um, any of these listeners come up with a holiday of their own, how they should contact us? Oh, Bella, are you serious? That's super creepy. You totally read my mind. Great minds think alike, and I guess ours do too. That's exactly what I was thinking. So if our listeners hear these submissions and they themselves come up with a cool idea for a holiday that should be celebrated in the United States, what should they do? They should DM us on Instagram. We're at JFKS Ideas, no punctuation. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you have any thoughts on any of the holidays that are suggested, any alterations, any other version of it, we'd love to hear that too. I mean, what we're trying to do ultimately is like start a conversation, right? Right. And the podcast maybe is a little one way, but we want contributions from our community. And so we really do, like, I'm being honest. I think you are too. Like we want people to feel free to tell us what they think. Yeah. We want the student body to get involved. It's what this is about. Yeah. I mean, feel free to disagree. If you don't think we should celebrate Juneteenth or if you don't think we should celebrate... Don't give any away. You have to listen to find out. Okay. Right. Yeah. Any of them that you that you hear. If you don't if you don't dig it, you can tell us. Like, we want people to politely disagree, right? Like, there needs to be space for disagreement without hating each other. Please and thank you. All right, Bella, are you ready to launch into it? Should we yep. roll the tape? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's do it. So I'm going to thread the contribution from my downstairs neighbor through the submissions from our students, and I hope that our listeners dig it. Sounds good. All right, so maybe I should do this part now, okay, Bella? Mm-hmm. So listeners, we've linked to our website. In the show notes, you can check out our journals and you can dive into our archive of podcasts. And if you like this podcast, if it means something to you, please subscribe, leave a like, offer a comment. And if you know people who share your passion for difficult conversations 
please do share this ideas podcast with your people all right bella i think we've done our job here what do you think i think so March 4th, we should celebrate Disagreement Day, a day to celebrate our differing opinions and also respecting and humanizing people we disagree with. On March 4th, 1801, a transition of power occurred between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Even though Adams disagreed with Jefferson and believed that he would probably greatly harm America, instead of protesting and attempting to maintain power, Adams went through with a peaceful transition, setting up a precedent for presidential transitions for years to come. On this day, we would celebrate respecting people, even if we don't respect their opinions. This day would be celebrated by educating people on how to have productive arguments, and encouraging them to listen and try to understand where people with other opinions are coming from, rather than assuming what they mean. Instead of villainizing and dehumanizing people for what we deem to be outrageous ideas, maybe hear them out before we make a judgment on their opinions. Using people's opinions to discredit their humanity just intensifies their adamacy to stay steadfast in their values, and that divides the country and polarizes ideas even more. No, we don't need to agree or respect or platform anyone with quote-unquote bad opinions or bigoted ideas. But diminishing their integrity as humans can only serve to intensify the problem and stooping to their level of taking away someone's right to humanity and respect. I don't think that people with homophobic, racist, prejudiced opinions should be given the same amount of platforms as other people. And quite honestly, for a long time, I struggled with the idea that I should have to listen to somebody with opinion I don't agree with. I just wanted to get upset because they were saying stuff that not only attacked a lot of the friends I knew around me, but also attacked me. But then I realized that if I wanted to not listen to them and just call them bigots, I would be wrong. A lot of people have opinions that are bigoted, and if I were to just not acknowledge the fact that they're human, it feels like it would be discrediting the problem of institutionalized racism or sexism or homophobia or bigotry that's built into society. Essentially, I just think that even if we disagree with somebody, we need to take the time to hear them out and just realize that maybe they're not villains. Maybe they just have ideas that need to be changed or need to be heard before they can change.
My name is Jacob Reuter, and I believe that the United States needs a new holiday starting on April 24th to remember and commemorate those lost to the Indian Removal Act, which was passed on that day in 1830. The holiday should consist of a week of travel along the historic Trail of Tears, with information provided along the way to display to the travelers and the participants the hardship and struggles that were brought upon these people. holiday would be pro-choice day on January 22nd, the day that the landmark decision on Roe v. Wade was announced, granting the right to choose to have an abortion without excessive governmental restrictions in the USA. On pro-choice day, I want to honor the brave activists who fought in the movement and also have educational opportunities to destigmatize and inform the population of the freedom and opportunity this landmark decision provides for its citizens. We want to dispel myths and propel the truth to take back the distorted language surrounding abortion and the autonomy over one's own body. While time and experience might give us some insight into how to appropriately approach the day, I can't say right now what exactly is to be done on this day. We don't want to celebrate or commemorate, but we want to honor the people who fought for the right to choose and the freedom it grants. So I leave it to you, the listener, to decide what should be done on such an important and necessary day. My friends and I are in 11th grade and we believe that differently able people are too often omitted from discussions and deserve a national holiday to raise awareness as well as commemorate them. They have been actively discriminated against for too long. According to the Global Disability Rights Organization, about 20% of the American population is differently abled. However, many of them struggle to find employment and have to fight against the stigma of being a burden to society, as well as having to fight for the right to a barrier-free access to public places and means of transportation. A gap between the annual earnings of disabled and non-disabled people causes the poverty rate amongst the differently able to be at 25.9%. A shocking number, but not surprising since many employers still refuse to acknowledge the capability of differently able people to benefit the workforce. This is not new since activism amongst differently able people can be dated back to the 1800s. In 1975, the first disability rights group was founded. Its biggest legal achievement was the Americans with Disability Act of 1990, which prohibits the discrimination of people with disabilities. Today, the World Health Organization reports 1 billion differently able people worldwide, and we want to make space for them. That's why, if we could choose one national holiday, we would introduce the Differently Abled Day, celebrated once a year on behalf of the American differently abled population. My friends and I envision organized talks with differently abled people at public institutions like schools to raise awareness and educate the non-disabled, promoting tolerance and respectful interactions. We hope to reverse the stigma around disabilities and celebrate the differently abled who are a valuable part of the American society.
My name's Emma Robertson. I'm in 11th grade, and I just finished studying AP U.S. History. I believe a national holiday that America should celebrate is the Stonewall Uprising Day. The Stonewall riots occurred in the summer of 1969 in response to a police brutality raid on the Stonewall Inn. It was a known gay bar, and after a rumored bottle was thrown at the cops, the uprising began. The reason why this uprising is so fundamentally American and important is the intersectionality of people of different ages, genders, sexualities, and races coming together in a civil act of disobedience. This changed the country and society for the better. We can educate ourselves on important influential people of the LGBTQIA community, such as Marsha P. Johnson. We can also celebrate how far we've come in the past century, but also acknowledge how far we still must come as a society. Segregation Day, which will be held on the 17th of May to honor the ruling of the Brown v. Board of Education case, which was decided on that day in 1954. Segregation was already an issue that plagued American society previous to World War II, like in the military with segregated troops or in public life as a whole. Only after the Second World War this started changing, much to the dismay of a large part of the population. One of the pivotal moments was Jackie Robinson playing at the highest level in baseball. Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier that not only changed baseball, but changed the culture and society of America itself. Only in 1954, where once the Brown vs. Board of Education case was decided, segregated schools, no matter the quality, were declared unconstitutional by a 9-0 Supreme Court ruling. Since this ruling opened up education and culture to more diversity, it is important that this day and its following achievements are commemorated. Although it is clear that the U.S. is made up almost completely of immigrants, whether it be from Europe, Asia, Africa, or South America, too many Americans have failed to appreciate that. This is why a few of our friends have created a new holiday, Immigration Commemoration Day. This day is important because xenophobia is still a problem today. Currently, the xenophobia is mostly directed toward Middle Eastern, Asian, and Latin immigrants. Pro-immigration legislation are far and few between and only ever affect small groups. Anti-immigration legislation is far more common. This has been an ongoing pattern for the past 100 plus years. Modern immigrants provide both the economy and culture of the US, which often goes underappreciated. However, many people, especially in large cities, have always appreciated the diverse culture. In the future, there are hopes of appreciating diversity more by having positive connotations and increasing integration to garner more respect for all immigrants. This day should be commemorated by lifting up modern immigrant voices and teaching about America's immigrant history. So 
on May 30th, 1912, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a young black man called Dick Rollins and a young white woman called Sarah Page were riding an elevator when loud screams were heard, followed by Dick Rowland fleeing the scene. So he was arrested. Although then the newspapers reported that he had been arrested for sexual assault, which had never been confirmed. And to this day, it is not known what the specifics of what happened in the elevator. So in the evening, a white mob formed around the jail where Dick Rollins was being held. And as rumors of lynching started, an estimated 25 black Tolsons came to the courthouse as well, trying to uh, protect um, Rollins of anything that could happen. So in the course of the evening, the white crowd grew to around 1,500. And violence broke out with some shootings. Following this, the 25 people there to protect Rollins flee to the Greenwood District, which is where the black community was living in Tulsa. It also had a prosperous heritage and culture, thriving culture, thriving businesses. And in the course of the night, this entire district was bombed, was raided, burned. Uh, It's estimated now that around 12,000 houses were burned and destroyed and around 100 to 300 dead and an unknown amount wounded. It's really hard to visualize the damage that was done, but I really recommend Googling Tulsa Massacre. You can find a lot of really powerful images in the internet of entire blocks just burned to the ground, nothing in sight. Thousands were made homeless through this. Eventually, the riot did end when the national troops came and stopped the riot. However, they, they also arrested over 6,000 African-Americans. Little is known about it now because of the massive cover-up that followed. No one was ever persecuted, and no one even knew about it until in the 1990s, some newspapers started reporting on these events that were hidden or not talked about for decades. There has been some progress. Biden commemorated the 100th anniversary of it a few weeks ago, but there's so much more to be done. And we think it's important to commemorate this. There were many other raids similar to this as well. I think with this holiday, it's, you, you force people to think about all these horrible tragedies that are known and also are unknown, things that were covered up. There was never the effort to find out more uh, about what happened. And I think the day, a day of remembrance is really important for all people that were harmed or made homeless or died during these racist riots. So yeah, for that reason, we think the National Day of Remembrance would be a good idea. I believe that the United States 
should have a federal holiday on August 18th to celebrate the ratification of the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. This day celebrates, first and foremost, women's suffrage and women's rights. However, it also celebrates universal human rights and democracy. It represents a time when more people were brought into the democratic process and more people were allowed to have their, their voices heard in politics. In addition to having the day off, this holiday should be celebrated by having large-scale voter registration drives, which would really commemorate and carry on the legacy of the 19th Amendment. I think we should be celebrating that we aren't currently celebrating right now is Fannie Lou Hammer Day. Fannie Lou Hammer was a civil rights activist in the 60s. Fannie Lou Hammer fought for the rights of Black Americans in the South by fighting for their voting rights and their right to register to vote. In the South at this time, especially in Mississippi, Black Americans were often oppressed and violently attacked for wanting to use their constitutional rights to vote. Um, They could not register to vote without being harassed by the police, uh, KKK members, and uh, wealthy landowners who wanted to keep them oppressed to, you know, have them more easily disposable to work on their sharecropping farms. Fannie Lou Hammer was herself a sharecropper and a victim of the oppression that Black Americans in the South were dealing with. Um, To fight this oppression, Fannie Lou Hammer brought the issue of voter suppression to the large stage of the United States Democratic National Convention when she gave her famous speech to the DNC on August 22nd. And she, in this speech, outlined the grievous atrocities committed against Black Americans. Uh, She outlined how she was beaten in prison for wanting to register to vote. Simply just going to the registrar office, she was imprisoned and she was often harassed. Her home was broken into and her, her crops were often stolen. Through this still, she worked tirelessly to register Black voters and ended up running sadly not successfully, for the Mississippi Mississippi State Senate under her Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. Fannie Lou Hammer should be recognized as a great civil rights leader, aside from LMLK Day and aside from Black History Month, due to her willingness to fight as a Black woman who was disenfranchised by medical racism, especially um, in Fannie Lou Hammer's case, as she had a non-consenting hysterectomy, uh, like many Black women were in the South. Her willingness to fight for workers, as she herself was a sharecropper, she fought for workers' rights and she fought for the sharecroppers' rights in the South, while still working tirelessly to secure the vote for Black voters. This uh, holiday should be celebrated by providing educational materials about Fannie Lou Hammer. In schools, I believe we should have more representation of effect on the civil rights movement and I think that it'd be interesting to also include how she impacted different parts of her identity of her intersectionality as a black woman as a sharecropper and as a activist a grassroots activist in a small town in Mississippi thank you (laughs) 